Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, brought to you by the Registered Master Builders. Each week we explore the ideas and practices that help us get the best from our businesses, our teams, and ourselves. I'm your host, Ryan Castle, along with Dr. Mike Ashby. We talk to experts, advocates, and business owners in the construction industry to share their knowledge, insights, and experiences to help you build a better business and enjoy a better life. Now let the business building begin. On the Master Builders Elevate podcast today, I am joined by Alex Votratsis, Policy and Advocacy Manager. Now, Alex, that is a pretty flash title. <laughs> what does it mean? What does it mean? I guess we kind of uh, advocate to government on um, issues that affect the uh, building and construction sector. Um, so things that kind of affect our members on a day-to-day basis or um, more generally across the sector as well, whether it's things like housing unaffordability, um, building product issues, um, business skills, and um, that kind of thing. Mm. It's a broad and complex environment, isn't it? The construction sector, we can go, you know, even if we were to look at a small residential build, there's so many things that are going on that might affect, um, one, whether that project even happens in the first place, and then two, how successful it is for everybody involved. So it's a it's a huge and complex environment that you work across. You and David and the Master Builders team, how do you try to think about those different parties that are involved in everything? How do you try and stay across what's happening? Um, I guess probably the main thing that we do is just focus on our our knitting because one of the risks that you can have in the advocacy space is going across too many different issues and therefore you're not actually having that knowledge or that in-depth analysis and understanding of those little subtleness in each of those policy issues. For us, the main thing is how do we ensure that the sector is well-performing for our members. And so we kind of look at what are those day-to-day issues that kind of affect them. And most of the time, you know, because we do a lot of regular surveys with our members, it's um, things like the license building practitioner scheme, the impact of what the reforms of vocational education mean for the sector in the long term, and um, the building consenting and inspection process. But that's just looking at it from a really kind of simplified version. But you're absolutely right, because a lot of our members are also developers. And because they're developers, they also touch the planning system and the Resource Management Act as well. So all of a sudden, you know, these little issues, you know, actually can are all interconnected. And, you know, you can go all the way into something like how local government actually funds the roads that actually connect to your subdivision where you're building your houses for people. So, <laughs> Got it. Yeah, there's a, certainly a broad group of organisations and policy to, to be across. Um, maybe just to help with our understanding a little bit more, could you kind of do a bit more of a deep dive onto one of those things that you mentioned, maybe LVP or anyone you want to talk about and just help us understand, you know, how does Master Builders go and represent us as members in um, one of those areas and and actually what do you do? Yeah, so um, for example, with the reform of vocational education, so just by a little bit of context, um, so that's looking at merging the 16 polytechs into one polytech, um, disbanding the um, industry training organisation, so the likes of BCITO, Conexus and Competence, and putting some of their roles and responsibilities into the new Polytech. 
and also creating a new uh, workforce development council. So we want to make sure that those graduates actually have an understanding of what, what a business is, but also how to run a business because so many of our members tell us that when their grads go to do a um, quote for a job, they forget how to do GST. Sure. You know, so, you know, for a lot of these guys, you know, they might be really good on the tools, but if they don't have that understanding of how to run a business, they run the risk of setting themselves up to fail. So tell us a bit more. What have you done around the vocational training? How have you tried to advocate for the Master Builders members on that topic? Well, it's one of those things where, you know, the government has already set out their agenda of what they're going to do. So for us, it's about um, what does this actually mean for our members? So for us, it's communicating to our members that these reforms actually are going to try to actually will improve the sector. Um, for example, you know, there's eight politics that do a quantity surveying course, but we've been told that seven of them are below average. So that means that's unfair for the graduate or the person taking the course, but it's also unfair on the business who's you know, taking on that grad where all of a sudden that they don't have the skills to be able to successfully do that job. So for us, it's a case of engaging with the Ministry of Education, Tertiary Education Commission, but also working with the likes of BCITO, Specialist Trades, Engineering New Zealand and civil contractors and so forth in order to um, develop a bit of a coalition of sort in order to say that, you know, these are the bare requirements, the bare minimums that we expect moving forward that we will see in any new package of education or any new structures for for that education as well. So I guess the Master Builders gives uh, a scale approach to looking at this. If I was an uh, individual residential builder or even a developer on my own and I was frustrated with the quality of candidates coming through, whether they be quantity surveyors or um, future trippies, etc., um, trying to take on things like how is education done as an individual is just a, a mountain way too big for an individual to climb. But as, a, as an organisation, uh, we can dedicate resources like your own and a lot of what David does to actually go in and address those on behalf of the whole membership base. It's yeah, yeah, cool. You know, we, we throw this word around stakeholders. It's uh, the people that are involved in a, a various element. We touched on some of them previously. What are some of the tools that you can use with those um, stakeholders, whether they be government or suppliers or education institutes? You know, what are some of the things that you can utilise to help influence them and, and get good outcomes for the members? Um, I guess probably the things that we do are submissions on government policy ideas. Uh, you know, we, that's a reactive means. We also do proactive research papers on uh, specific issues as well. Um, we run events. Um, we do, of course, those member surveys, which kind of give us a bit of a pulse on how the sector is running um, right across New Zealand. Uh, media releases, social media campaigns and um also, just talking to those different membership organisations that is in the wider building construction sector as well to get their views as well. Okay. And Alex, I do have to ask, do you love reading policy documents? <laughs> um, it's Some of them are really interesting, I've got to say, but some of them, um, yeah, it's the more techni- the really technical things I get really, really confused or kind of, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing, but that's the great thing as well is that, you know, we rely on the membership. So, you know, if we have concerns or if I don't understand 
something, you know, particularly if it's quite complex or something to do with, you know, building something in particular or to do with products, you know, that's where we um, go and talk to our branch presidents. We've got a residential working group made up out of a range of leading builders. And also just go talk to, you know, the regional service managers and just general builders as well. And they are brilliant in terms of being able to explain very complex things in quite a simple way where you actually kind of understand where all the pieces go. Right. Hey, look, Alex, I would like to uh, say thanks for taking one for the team. (laughs) A man that's willing to jump up in the morning and read policy documents, be like, you're a bloody champion. Good job. Um, Let's talk about some of the things that are top of mind for master builders at the moment. Um, What are are some of the areas that we're trying to advocate uh, in currently? Uh, so at the moment, um, we're developing a um, what we call an advocacy platform. So basically, that's kind of tying in about three main areas of proactive work that we want to see change that's going to benefit our members. Uh, so what we're going to do is turn that into a um, document and then be able to send that through to officials and politicians prior to the election, so in the next couple of weeks or so, but also after the election. So we're not too sure who's going to win, but for us it's more about getting in there first and be able to say these are the issues in the sector, These are the and these are also the solutions that we're putting forward. And these solutions have been vetted by our members, you know, who are on the tools each and every day kind of thing. So I guess... Before we, I, like, I'm, I'm keen for you to dive into a bit of detail on what those three areas are, but interested for us as probably people that don't spend a lot of time with government or some of these other stakeholders, um, how willing generally, and I'm not looking for a political opinion here on uh, what colour, but, uh, you know, what's their willingness? Are they, are they, do they like to hear from industry organisations like Master Builders to get a, a sense of really what's happening on the ground? And does that, does that help them? Are they open to hearing from us? I think they really are. And I think over the last um, probably three to five years, um, the, the doors have been opened a lot more than what they previously have been. Uh, and that's because there's a growing understanding of the role of building construction and delivering the housing, the hospitals, the schools, and all that kind of thing that actually the, uh, the government initiatives, regardless of whether it's national labour, that they're wanting to deliver. Mm-hmm. Uh, because a lot of the time the politicians only look at outputs. You know, we're going to build 100,000 houses or we're going to build a new hospital in Dunedin or we're going to build a new school or whatever. They don't actually think about how you go about achieving that initiative. Mm. And uh, what's involved in achieving that, again, comes back to there's literally hundreds of organisations, hundreds of trades, hundreds of bits of regulation and policy that make it happen. So um, I guess if you can do some of the hard yards up front uh, by helping them get clear on what's required and where some of the barriers are, then you know, moving past them gets a whole lot, whole lot easier. Okay, let me, um, Alex, bring you just back to that uh, advocacy platform you talked about building and you mentioned there was three key areas you were looking at. Um, what are those three areas? Uh, So we're looking at reforming the construction regulatory processes. So simply putting it, that is looking at reforming the building consent process, uh, simplifying it and um, rolling out things like Artisan as well, the the, uh, brands initiative that that our members who've been engaged in the test piloting of that have found is a really good product. Um, So that's going to help ensure consistency across um, councils, 
and even within councils in terms of going through the building consent process and the inspection process. Um, no, it's the, the crowds on the podcast just started cheering. The, <laughs> say the words, simplify the consenting process, and everyone's like, yes, make that happen. Exactly. Well, you know, I mean, there's a good piece of, uh, without going into too much detail, there is a, already, um, I guess, legislation or amendments existing in the Building Act that all that needs to be done is implemented from 2012. That's going to change the focus into a more risk-based portfolio in terms of that. If you're, for example, if you've got a good, strong history with a particular council in terms of, you know, you've had no problems or the problems that you've had have been kind of minor kind of things that you can easily deal with, they're going to be a lot more lenient or a lot more understanding of you through the process to streamline you through versus someone who might be newer or has had his problems in the past as well. So it's all about that it's all about measuring risk and that risk assessment as to whether the council feels comfortable with the quality of your work previously and your reputation. Okay, cool. So reforming the construction regulatory process, what, what are the other two? Uh, so we're looking at um, securing the workforce skills and capacity needed. So that's looking at reforming the license building practitioner scheme. Um, a lot of the time our members say that they find no value in the scheme in its current format. It's quite cumbersome and confusing in terms of that you've got six different kind of areas of certification that you need to have. Um, so what we're looking at doing is streamlining it down into um, more of a basic kind of pyramid scheme. So, you know, the higher the level of uh, qualification that you have in the scheme, it means that the councils can then look at your um, LBP and be like, okay, he's got his top level LBP. We can push him through the consent process a lot easier than this person on just say level one. Right. Which which uh, provides real reward for investing in your own development and getting that high level of LBP certification, right? Because that's <laughs> real value in, in getting it done. Definitely, yeah. it also helps you know separate you from other builders where you can say that you you might have LBP level three, which is you know top you know the top level versus someone who might have LBP level one, for example. Yeah, so a bit of a marketing differentiator as well. Exactly. Cool. Okay, and the third component there of the advocacy platform. Um, so at the moment, we're running a um, consumer campaign for stimulating demand in the residential sector for now and in the next six to 18 months. Because what we're forecasting is that a drop, you're gonna, there's going to be quite a drop in residential construction in the next six months, which means that the pipeline of projects for our members is going to tail off and that's going to affect their balance sheets and the feasibility of their businesses. So we're running a campaign at the moment that's looking at now's a good time to build, interest rates are low, you know, now's a good time to actually do your renovation if you've got an old bathroom or an old kitchen or you want to add an extra bathroom, bedroom or whatever. So as part of that, we're also advocating to the government that they offer um, grants of up to $50,000 for people who are looking at building a new home or have just about to purchase a, a newly built home. So that's going to ensure that, you know, there's the pipeline of work is, you know, you're going to lift it up a little bit. I mean, it's still going to be a drop, but if we can do anything that we can in order to alleviate that drop or reduce that drop, that's got to be a win for the sector. 
Yeah, definitely. And look, my evidence is very anecdotal, but there certainly seems to be uh, still some good activity in, in the market. Uh, members that we're talking to and uh, people around the, the sector that are involved in the construction trade. Um, sounds like commercial may be slowing up, some of the projects getting put on hold, but there still seems to be a reasonable amount of activity in uh, residential. So, you know, let's hope that continues. And I'm sure the support of master builders and what you're doing will help that and be cool. Okay, um, look, those, those are um, three really important things you're you're working on. What else is affecting members that you're working on at the moment? Um, so, kind of touched on the RMA before. So, we've been working with a few other organisations, like the Property Council um, and Employers Manufacturers Association up in Auckland, in terms of what reform of the RMA could look like, in order to make it easier to get on and build what we need to build in the, for our um, urban centres. But that's not just to get on and build it, it's also to protect and enhance and restore our environment because the RMA's done a terrible job at protecting our waterways our um, natural in our wider natural environment as well. So, you know, the two of them are hand in hand in terms of you need to have a, a healthy natural environment to work with a healthy urban environment. Mm -hmm. We're kind of looking at another one around um, mitigating the effects of climate change, which is quite a big gnarly piece of work, as you can imagine, in terms of, but this is looking at it more from the effects of our industry on the natural environment. And, you know, up to 50% of all waste in New Zealand landfills comes from our sector. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's not really so, to be proud of, is it? No, no. And of course, you know, then that has a negative effect with the amount of plastic um, you know, and casts off and wastage and so forth as well. So what we're looking at doing is starting the conversation around how do we build better and smarter and how do we start, you know, rolling out cutting-edge technology that you're seeing across the world in New Zealand and, you know, particularly in the prefab as well, raising the bar in that area as well. So, you know, we're reducing waste. And, you know, that's quite important for us when 70% of New Zealanders live by the ocean. So if sea levels rise, you know, these large parts of New Zealand that will find themselves, you know, potentially underwater or near to a, yeah. near to a new foreshore. Could be a big uh, uptake in pole housing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Get it up a bit more. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, I guess one of the things with advocacy when we think about it from a member's perspective is always, um, how do I make sure my voice is heard? So um, I'm sure some of the things you've touched on are already things that people are aware of and they're like, yeah, go Alex, we're glad that you're um, banging that drum. If there's other things that they're uh, experiencing at their local level with their teams, with their uh, councils, and they're like, hey, I would, I would love some help or I'd at least like to raise it and see if this is a challenge for other members, how can they go about doing that with Master Builders? I guess probably the first thing to do would be to get in touch with your um local branch president and your uh, regional branch manager or regional service manager in terms mm -hmm. of, um, you know, kind of understanding at a more localised um, perspective. Is this something that I'm just experiencing, one or two people are experiencing, or is this actually 
quite a you know quite a big issue that's affecting our area and then he kind of um, escalated through that way um, because the great thing about being a national organization is if something for example um, is an issue in Hamilton and they think it's just a Hamilton issue if we can go out more broadly across the country you know it actually might be an issue in Timaru or it might be an issue in Napier as well so we're able to pull that kind of information together and start looking at it from you know advocating to not only central government that these are the issues that our members are constantly finding with the local councils but actually being able to communicate with those councils and kind of work together in terms of you know how do we resolve these issues or how do we reduce the amount of times that these issues keep cropping up yeah and alex i know one of the um, challenges you mentioned hamilton and certainly the waikato region struggling at the moment is their rugby team can't win a game yeah <laughs> there's something you can help with uh, probably not, but um, you know, I've got absolutely no tips in that regards because I am a Highlanders fan. So, Highlanders <laughs> okay, okay. Um, and look, I'll put it out there. Um, living in Auckland, got to be a blue supporter. But hey, look, it's been a, it's been a tough road. So, uh, feeling feeling pain for the uh, some of those Chiefs supporters that are uh, experiencing a bit of supporter pain at the moment as well. well it's been a very long time since the Blues won the uh, title. Oh, look, even even <laughs> since they were competitive, so it's yeah, nice true. to see them uh, being a bit competitive at, at where I feel like that's a win at least. Tell us, we've got um, the Constructive Forum coming up. Some of our listeners may not be aware of what that is or what the purpose of Master Builders being involved. Can you just give us a bit of insight into Constructive Forum? Yes, yeah, so um, historically, Constructive has been a one-day conference that you know, the idea behind it is to bring the wider building construction sector together to talk about the issues facing the sector, but also to start looking at what those solutions could be. Um, with COVID this year, um, we've decided that we're going to go virtual. So we're running four um, different virtual events for free over four weeks from the 27th of August to the 17th of September. Mm-hmm. You know, the the theme around Constructive this year is resilience. And um, I guess for us, resilience, resilience takes many shapes and form in terms of business and sector um, strength through the peaks and the troughs, uh, mental health and well-being, of course, and um, looking ahead in 10 to 15 years in terms of how does a sector get more resilient to build the different types of housing or different types of commercial property that we're going to need in the future as well? And, um, you know, the role of technology and how that's going to change the sector as well. You know, it's quite, going to be quite an exciting four sessions yeah. of conversations. And, and I guess it's a yet another opportunity for our members to get involved, hear what's going on, have their voice heard. In the forum, there'll be opportunity, no doubt, for the uh, voice, their ideas of what's, what's happening. Um, and I think it's that it's that same old, isn't it? It's easy to stand on the sidelines and uh, criticise and complain. Uh, actually, this is a great opportunity to get in and take a positive approach to share your ideas and your insights and then uh, use the power of master builders and the other people that are participating in that forum to you know really get, get voices heard and make some uh, moves forward. Yeah, absolutely, definitely. Uh, I'm interested, uh, how, how long have you been working in the... Um, policy and advocacy space for Master Builders? Um, so I've been at Master Builders for approximately 18 months. 
18 months, okay, so reasonably fresh in the scheme of things. Yep. <laughs> Is it, do you feel like there's been a particular win or a piece of work that you've uh, worked on yourself that you're like really proud that we got that done and I think that was good for our members? What what stands out for you when you when you reflect? Um, I think probably the, the biggest piece of work that we're really seeing some really good positive impacts on is the work that the Vertical Construction Leaders Group is doing. So that group is uh, made up of about 40 to 50 of New Zealand's leading and largest commercial construction companies. Um, you know, the great thing about what they're doing is that there's, that it, they've proactively come together. They're using us, you know, as their kind of support. And we're really hitting some um, strides in terms of doing some work that's going to help the wider sector in terms of the financial resilience of businesses and also um, things around education as well, health and safety and um, benchmarking, you know, what makes a good construction company and how you can peer review your company potentially against a similar size business to see right. you know, where you're going good, where you might not be going too well as well. So, I mean, we want to see construction companies thrive because it's going to be great for the New Zealand economy and it gives jobs and it, you're seeing some really some really good work or really good developments coming through as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think we're uh, being involved in the industry, we're all aware that the risks in construction can be really significant. Uh, running a business, whether it be a small or a very large, compared to some other industry sectors, our members take on significant personal risk and uh, trying to build the organisations and then the, the buildings that they construct. Um, and I think the more that we can uh, share information, find better ways to do things, it's going to be better for the sector overall. So taking a bit more of a collective approach is a really smart move. And I think advocacy is the uh, almost the penultimate of that making a collective voice. Yep. So whilst it might be you writing a policy document or David speaking to um, the, the head of uh, construction and government, um, it's the, the voice of the members behind him uh, and yourself that, that are going to make a difference, right? So um, again, thank you for the work that you do. Um, we know that it's uh, work that at times is... Uh, you know, very deeply detailed and challenged because there's so many people involved, but it's such an important part of what master builders do. And probably many of our members don't um, don't understand just how much value they get from their membership based on the fact that these kind of uh, advocacy, advocacy uh, things are happening. So thanks for that. Thanks for the work. Um, Alex, in closing, is there anything further you'd like to highlight to the members that are listening in today? I guess don't be afraid to get in contact. Um, you know, I know that advocacy is one of those strange things where there's no metrics or, you know, you can't kind of, it's not tangible where you can see it kind of thing. You know, it's always kind of this nebulous um, idea that's kind of floating around. Um, but, you know, I'm more than happy to, um, you know, communicate with any members in terms of, you know, the work that we're doing and how that's going to, you know, you know, affect them in the long term as well. Great. And uh, I've certainly been privy to see the uh, member surveys coming through and genuinely things happen with those surveys. They are being reviewed and they support your uh, insight there and keep members uh, doing their member surveys, talking to their RSMs uh, or jumping, you know, direct onto offsite and uh, communicating with us directly. Yep. 
Hey, Alex, it's been uh, great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for, I guess, enlightening us into what goes on into the deep, dark depths of uh, advocacy. It's probably something that is predominantly behind the scenes, uh, but you've given us a good appreciation for the contribution you make and how it's helping us as members. So thanks for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Cool. Thank you.